Good morning, friends. It is morning my time, and I love how many of you I hear from about when and where it is you listen on Wednesdays. I got a DM on Instagram from Christy who said, thank you for making Wednesdays, previously my most challenging day of the week, something to look forward to. I own a yoga studio and take class at 6 a.m., which means waking up at 5 a.m. I love the teacher and I'm dedicated to the practice, so it's worth it. But then I have a small break where I eat and listen to your podcast before teaching two classes and giving two massages. It doesn't sound like much, but as an introvert, which, thank you, you taught me I am, I find I need even just a few minutes alone to recharge, which is hard to come by. I'm basically with people from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Having that small break and listening to the podcast often brings me back to myself, and I feel more like a real person. I'm grateful for you. I love that. I got a text the other day from my sister-in-law who said that she listens as she drives to work, and she got in the car, and it was Thursday, and she was so excited to listen to the podcast, and then she was like, Oh, wait, I already listened to this week's yesterday. I don't have a new one to listen to. Um, And I also heard, this is one of my favorites, y'all. I got a message and she said, just so you know, I've been in the Alaskan bush for six months with limited Wi-Fi. I get up early to download the podcast with the extra Wi-Fi so I can listen to it. And it has been such a huge blessing. Then she said, my husband is a carpenter. We came up here for a six-month job of helping to finish a lodge. I helped and cooked for the workers. Your podcast was often the only young female voice I would hear in a week, and it was so helpful to keep dreaming up here. So thanks. Also, I'm 26 and therefore technically out of the age range that reviewers said would like your podcast. So, ha. And then I got another DM right after her from Michelle, who said, "Um, I'm listening to your latest podcast, and that jerk who said only 25-year-olds like you is totally wrong. I'm 46 and adore you. And my dad just got back from a speaking. He was in Boston and Toronto. And he told me about two different women that he met, old friends of his, that said this is their favorite podcast and they listen every week. And I'm guessing those women are in their 40s, 50s, or 60s. So to the friends of my dad, hello. Thank you guys for listening. But whether you are in your 20s or your 60s, in your break room at a yoga studio, in your car, or literally on a fishing boat in Alaska, you're welcome in advance. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Loves, I want to share a concept with you today that really turned around my Saturday a week ago. It helped me also give advice to a friend who was counseling another friend through a breakup and realize the importance of play. I got so much out of this concept, which two women that I've learned from have used and teached in different ways. It was one of those things that you hear a little here and you hear a little there, but I believe it was actually first laid out 15 years ago in a book by a woman named Sarah Hicks. And like many things that give us a huge aha moment, these are things that we've known or heard. Someone said them in this way. Someone described it in that way. But we just hear them in a new way at the right time and they click. So I'm going to ask you to imagine something if you are driving and you can't physically look. But if you swipe up, there also is a physical chart, which I'll link in the description below and we'll post on my IG stories so you can see it if you're a visual person and you want to follow along. But I will also describe it for those of you that have your eyes on the road. So this has been so helpful for me that when I heard it, I was listening to an audiobook and I actually wrote it out on my whiteboard because I wanted to visually see it in my office and be able to reference it again throughout 
my work days and I screenshotted one of the many images of this concept online to my phone. And so we made you one that you could have on your phone. So imagine a tall rectangle. It's 22 bricks stacked on top of each other. And each brick or box is an emotion or a handful of emotions that feel really similar. And the emotion on the bottom is grief, fear, depression, despair, powerlessness. If you ever felt one of those emotions, we talked about how to be a good friend in grief in episode 26. And I saw this chart after that and I thought, oh, yeah, that's why that episode was so powerful because grief is the worst feeling you could feel. And then it was mental World Mental Health Day recently, and I posted something on my Instagram feed, a brief encouragement about how if you're struggling with anxiety, depression, or suicidal ideation, I have been there and it gets so much better. But one of those lowest feelings is depression, which is coupled with despair and fear. That's why people end up in depression, right? We just feel that feeling even just for a couple of days. It happens because we're in despair. We're fearful that we're powerless and something will never change. We're grieving something or in fear that something will be true or keep being true. So that's emotion 22 at the very bottom. You also can see this visually like a list from number one all the way down to number 22, that bottom brick. And at the top, number one, the very best feeling emotion, the top brick in the stack is joy appreciation, empowered, love, and freedom. You know how we're always told to start our day with gratitude? Like for me, that probably goes back to the Oprah Winfrey show. Like we've heard that for so long, but it never occurred to me that it's because it's the most positive feeling you can feel. You're starting your day in the best feeling place. And that has become um, a a pattern for me just, just recently, I'd say maybe in the last year or so, that just through thinking about that more, I now wake up and it is subconsciously my first thought is to just say thank you and to list a couple of things that I'm grateful for. So if you've been, if you've heard that before and you're like, yeah, I always forget or I never get around to it, just know, oh yeah, well, after a lot of years, Hillary finally just got to the point where she started thinking about it. So the more that I think about it, it can just be there. When I feel love with Jeremy or my mom or my little niece, that is the best feeling, feeling. So in between those are 20 other feelings that guide you up the path from fear to love, from grief to joy. And the negative emotions, we think of them just all as negative. But actually, when you see this chart, one of the things that was powerful for me is to realize that we know that worry, which is 14, feels better than anger which is 17. We don't love feeling worried, but it's not derailing my day as much as if I'm truly feeling anger. We know that that's a worse feeling emotion. Right below anger is revenge. I can feel really angry and think about what I would say to someone, but if I'm plotting how to embarrass or hurt them back, yeah, that feels even heavier than anger. That's an even worse place to be in to actually not just feel angry, but want revenge. So We know in psychology, in brain science, that we can't just flip a switch and go from having zero self-confidence to total self-confidence overnight. You can put post-its up on every mirror in your house that declares you are beautiful, worthy, enough. But if what you believe is 
five to ten emotions below that, your brain knows the truth. (laughs) It's not going to believe you. So we know that positive affirmations only work if they're a step or a few steps higher. They have to be believable to our brain. If you notice, as a stylist, I don't talk very often about how you're beautiful, you're worthy, you're enough. I don't talk about loving your body. Because if you feel far from that, if you're, let's say, you know, 15 on the scale of how you feel about your beauty, and I'm over here on my IG stories preaching about being a one, it's not going to change anything for you. It's too far. Your brain can't make that leap. So instead, I give you a tool, a trick, a tip, a principle, an insight that brings you a couple feelings higher. You go from feeling number 16, discouragement, to six, hopefulness. I mean, that's a pretty big jump. You might not do it in one Instagram story, but as you see thing after thing after thing, as you sit through a a live workshop with me, as you do my style course, as you spend more time, suddenly that, that leap doesn't feel so far. You're like, huh, maybe what she said could work. Maybe I don't feel so discouraged. Maybe I feel hopeless. If you're already further up the scale, maybe you get to four, which is belief. You believe what I'm saying. And so you take action. You aren't just like, huh, maybe it could work. You're like, yes, girl, that is it. I'm going to start doing that today. That's what happens inside my style course, Style and Styleability, because you're listening to my teaching. You're journaling your thoughts. You're taking action, making it muscle memory. You're in a group where others are sharing and you have other evidence. You have empathy around you. So you don't just stay, number six, hopeful that maybe this could work or even Number four, you believe that it can, and you're taking action to start to see that difference, feel that difference, so that you magically feel, number three, happiness and enthusiasm in putting together outfits. And the repetition of that gets you not every day, but most days or more days to, number one, love for yourself. Freedom, empowered in feeling like you actually know what to buy and where to feel good. Appreciation that this thing that was once so heavy is so much lighter. So while I knew these concepts, I first heard about this visual scale from a colleague, Gabby Bernstein, on a Saturday afternoon. And the night before had been awful. I had a beautiful evening with a girlfriend. Jeremy was out of town, and it was a lovely night. And when I was just in such like a peaceful, joyful, grateful mood. And when she left, she Venmoed me because I had paid for our dinner. And the Venmo notification popped up that we had a pretty substantial balance in there. And I thought, oh, I'll I'll be responsible. I'm trying to be a little better on my phone about like dealing with things in the moment, not being like, I'll text back later. I'll do that later. So I was like, okay, uh, great. I'm just going to like pop over and you know transfer that money over. And because stinking Venmo sets the default where you can see who paid whom and for what, I see in a flash that a friend who devastatingly betrayed me a few months ago and I will call her Jane. I had this devastating situation with Jane, and I've only told three friends about it. And two of them had spent time with Jane just in the last couple of days. There were these two back-to-back alerts of, hey, ex-friend is still chilling with Jane. She doesn't seem to be that alarmed over the things that Jane said to you. 
And, oh, P.S., this friend too, this friend also, heard everything that you said about Jane and was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go to the movies with Jane. And I felt emotion number 22, the lowest despair. I texted Jeremy, I'm not safe anywhere. Like, I explained about Venmo because I have unfollowed Jane and I have blocked Jane. I have muted certain friends on social media that I think might still be spending time with Jane just so that in the middle of my day it doesn't pop up. Like, oh, right, you guys still have mutual friends in common. I don't ask the girlfriends that I've told. I'm not like, hey, are you still going to stay friends with her or are you spending time with her? I've chosen that ignorance is bliss. And then, whoa. The Venmo thing happens and suddenly I feel completely unsafe. I'm like, where else can I be blindsided? I feel grief. I'm texting Jeremy, do I need to end these other friendships if the truth is that I don't feel safe because maybe they heard what was done to me and are cool with it? And how could I be friends with someone who's okay with someone that does that? Like, I felt grief at do I need to lose those friendships? And I felt fear at, like, If they're not as alarmed as I am by this behavior, does that mean they could ever do something like that to me because they don't really think it's that bad? It was horrible. Even just recounting it brings me back to a a portion of that place and those feelings. But I realized in hindsight when I saw this chart the next day that actually pretty quickly in my text to Jeremy, I rose up the scale. I went to insecurity and unworthiness, which is 21, a step up. Jealousy, a step above that. I skipped rage and revenge, which is great. I I didn't feel like actually those were the feelings I was feeling, but I went to anger and then up to discouragement and worry and disappointment. And I felt really sad when I went to bed, but worry and disappointment those are sad feelings, a 12 or a 14 compared to the 22 that I started in when I first saw those messages, which was just maybe two hours prior. So that was a Friday night. The next morning, Saturday, I woke up and like I said, Jeremy was out of town and I felt sad. I still felt in that same place of emotions from last night that I'd worked my way up to. But I decided to make the choice that I didn't want this to derail my day. I didn't want to have a sad, lonely, depressed day. I wanted to have a nice day like I had planned. And so I downloaded an audiobook and I walked to a coffee shop and I I wasn't like skipping my step happy as I was walking to the coffee shop just being like it's a beautiful day, but I was content, which is a 7 on the scale. And I think it's really fascinating that contentment and boredom are number 7 and 8. That means that 2 thirds of the scale is negative. There are so many negative emotions that can pull us down. There's twice as many as there are positive ones, which makes sense why we end up there more often, most of us, right? So I'm content as I'm walking to the coffee shop, but I'm listening to this great audiobook on these kinds of topics like controlling your thoughts and choosing joy. And I start to feel, number six, hopeful from these tools that I'm learning. And then number five, optimistic. I'm understanding, feeling like I can implement these up to number four, belief as I've realized I've heard X before and I do Y. This is just a new shade. And then I'm sitting on the dock outside of our apartment, drinking a latte, 
eating a chocolate croissant. The sun is shining in October, a miracle in and of itself in New York City. I'm looking at the water and I'm loving this book that I'm learning from. And I feel number three, happiness. And by the time Jeremy comes home later that night, I've been drawing out this chart on my whiteboard in my office and thinking about how I want to share this with you on the podcast. And I'm number two, passionate, and number one, empowered. And I realize in a very meta moment (laughs) that the 24 hours that I had led myself right up the scale from the bottom to the top. And the colleague I was listening to that day, Gabby Bernstein, she told a story about watching a friend's son, I think he was maybe 13 years old, go up this scale in a day. And what struck me about her story is that he's super devastated at the top of the day about not making the baseball team. And by the end of the day, joyfully talking about one of his other passions, cars. And that huge aha for me was that we don't have to work our way up the scale on one topic. I don't know how to get to number one joy about this situation with Jane and my other friends. But that's not what I did. I took a walk to coffee. I downloaded a book. I sat in a beautiful place. I learned a new idea that I got excited to teach you. Which means that when you're having a really hard day and you just watch a TV show you love or start reading a great novel, you're choosing a better feeling place. Even if that place is just contentment, which doesn't sound very powerful, but is actually in the top third of the scale at number seven. Another way that I saw these emotions drawn out when I Googled was the downward feeling spiral or the upward feeling spiral. So the downward feeling spiral starts, you know, eight to 22 and that upward feeling spiral goes out from seven to one. So it's like if you took two funnels, like the funnels you have in your kitchen and you place them on top of each other. So you've got one funnel draining down and one funnel pointing up. So I don't know about you, but I am very well versed in the downward feeling spiral. Back in college, my boyfriend would say, you can go from zero to 60 in a second. And what he meant was I could plummet myself down the scale faster than anyone he'd met. My brain works very fast. I've been told this by numerous employees who have a hard time sometimes keeping up with how I ping pong around. My brain works very fast. It's very logical and smart. And what that means is that I can spiral very quickly, logically pinging myself from number to number to number to number. And because I've done it for so long, it is a well-worn path in my brain synapses now. Jeremy will be like, you just spiral. Like, we can have that picture of water swirling down a drain, and that's how this image is. From eight on down, we can spiral until we are in the tightest, tiniest, most claustrophobic feeling of grief and oppression and despair that it feels like there is no way out of. But what I found is that when I got myself up the scale in other ways, that when I came back to mentally to think about the issue with my friends in the days and and weeks that followed, I didn't start as low on the scale or spiral as quickly. And because I didn't feel as low, I could handle sitting with it for longer without feeling as reactive. Can you empathize that when you're in one of the lowest feeling places, That's when you say or text something that you regret. Like if you're just worried, you don't lose your cool. That comes because you're feeling anger or rage or insecurity. So because I didn't start as low or spiral as quickly the next time I thought about it, I was able to feel more 
sadness than anger or betrayal over the coming days. I was able to think about how I could extend empathy to these friends because it must feel awful for them to have to choose to either lose their friend Jane or know they're now friends with someone who treats people like that, to feel worse for my friends than for myself, to see that Jane did this to them, not they did something to me. And then the next week, I heard a teaching that I got even more peace on it. So going up in the scale in one situation can take a while. This betrayal by a friend took place over two months ago and is clearly still affecting my life. I am so much healthier than I was when it first happened, but I'm not at number one. Pure love feeling for this person. Feeling number one, freedom from the situation. But I can see that I'm getting better. And part of that is because on a daily basis, an hourly basis, I'm finding and choosing ways to get myself up the emotional scale all across the board of my life, to feel better more often, to get out of the downward spiral, to choose the next best feeling, thought, or action. And it's why our lives are interconnected. It's why when women take my style class, they start to eat healthier, go for the promotion, go on the first date, put themselves back out there. We just see their lives blossom as a team because this is one powerful area of their life, their beauty, that is no longer constantly in despair, insecurity, jealousy, the bottom three emotions, but is much more often in the top third. And it's like that that tide that rises all boats within yourself. As you get the powerful areas of your life higher in the scale, it makes it easier to bring other things up That's that same scale as well. It's the reasons why members of uh, my Elegant Excellence Mastermind are feeling so much more hope and optimism and belief in their businesses because they're getting great teaching, they're in community, they're getting accountability through the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, they have places to go to not stay stuck in fear or discouragement or doubt. There's a way up the scale for them because of the environment that they put themselves in and the tools that they got by joining the mastermind. It's all about our thoughts, which lead to our feelings, but we can jumpstart that with our actions. We take a course, get in community, read a book, call a friend, listen to a podcast, and we get into a better feeling place. We take action. Friend, we are more empowered than we think. We can't control what happens to us. We can't control the Janes of the world or the friends of the Janes. We can try every way to wisely and maturely protect ourselves And then Venmo is going to punch us in the gut on an unsuspecting, lovely Friday night. But if, when you're in depression, check out that graphic below. Save this chart. Just choose a slightly better thought in that area. Watch your feelings go up and up and up. They still may not be a great feeling, but they are a better feeling. And then when you hit a ceiling, when you can't go any higher in authentically and organically in that subject... You can't get from anger into sadness or you can't get from sadness into peace or from peace into joy. Switch your thoughts and actions to another topic in which you can get higher. I said back in episode number two on anxiety that healing and getting happier is almost never an overnight shift. It's a series of tiny, teeny, small shifts. 
And this is one more tool that you and I now both have to shift ourselves into feeling a little more good today and any and every day. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is my new super sexy nighttime routine, which, spoiler alert, is not super sexy at all, but I am really in love with it. So as you guys know, if you follow along on Instagram, months ago, I got Invisalign. You can see the beginning of that journey in uh, some pinned IG stories. I think it's called shenanigans or maybe dance, but there's some some fun gems when I couldn't feel my mouth and I was (laughs) hyped up on a lot of painkillers. So I got Invisalign and I'm done with that. At the end of the process now where they want to like reset my jaw and I go in and my dentist is like, yeah, your jaw is incredibly tight and it does not want to play well. And I'm like, huh, really? I'm someone who's who's stressed and deeply focused and overanalyzes everything. I've never heard this before. So she gives me a splint, which this is a random aside. I am not a dentist. I'm not saying everybody needs a splint. But for anyone who can relate to this, I used to wake up with ridges on the inside of my cheeks from being pressed up against my teeth because I was clenching. I didn't know that I was a grinder. I didn't know that I was a clencher, but I had these marks on my teeth. Now I have this little splint that I sleep with, and it just keeps my teeth apart like a half an inch, and that forces your jaw to relax because it actually takes a lot of muscles to hold your jaw closed. But if your jaw's open just a little bit, that only takes one muscle, and it's way more relaxing. So now I don't wake up with those marks on my cheeks, and I feel like the the pressure in my head is like, calming and descending and it's making me feel like I'm doing something. I mean, guys, it's so I've this is classic me. I feel like I'm doing something productive during my resting hours because I now have this this thing in my mouth that helps me to relax when I am supposed to be relaxing. So somewhere in the midst of this, I noticed one morning and for any of the gentlemen listening, you know, maybe you can relate to this. Who knows? But I looked down one morning and I realized I have these lines like in between my cleavage, like on my chest, when I wake up in the morning. I'm a side sleeper. I sleep all snugly in the fetal position. And it's like, I don't know if you guys have ever had this happen. One day you notice something, like if you've ever noticed like a hair growing out of your chin and you're just like, how have I not noticed that before? Where did that come from? That did not spring up overnight. It has been there and I haven't been noticing it. Grab the tweezers now. How did I miss this? And it was like that. Like all of a sudden I'm like, okay, these lines didn't just come up overnight. This must have been happening for forever, but I just never happened to look down at my chest. So I was like, I wonder if there's anything that I can do for this. And I don't even remember what I what I Googled, guys. Like, I literally don't remember this process. I just remember this thing coming in the mail. And I'm like, I don't even remember ordering this. It's this silicone patch, this triangle that you put on your chest. And you're like, I mean, how do I know if this is working? And that's how I feel about a lot of beauty products. When people are like, oh, it totally changed my face. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I guess I'm not that observant. I can't tell you whether this like one cream was a revolutionary to my face. But guys, when I peel off the thing in the morning, there are no lines on my chest. I have Googled it. I still don't really understand how it works. Something about like the water, the moisture, the silicone. I don't know. All I'm telling you is that, and I've tested it since to make sure that I'm not crazy. I will sleep without it for a night and wake up in the morning. And I'm like, yep, there's lines there. Put it back on the next day. Peel her off. Nope, no lines. So I'm going to link that below in case that that is speaking to your heart right now. In addition, around the same time, my friend Ashley posted on Instagram about this new pillow that she got that helps you sleep on your back. And it's like a beauty pillow or something. And like I said in today's episode, we hear things all the time that just it's not the right moment for us. 
Someone says, for example, you know, sleeping on your back is better for your aging and your beauty because you're going to get lines on your face from sleeping on the side. And I've heard that for forever, but I that sounded like a lot of work to learn how to sleep on your back. And I just really needed sleep and I sleep on my side. It makes me happy. So I just never thought about it. But everything is aligning at this time as I'm trying to relax my jaw and I'm like thinking about the lines on my cleavage and And I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe this beauty pillow. And for me, to be honest, one thing that helped was in being married, Jeremy has alerted me to the fact that I actually do sleep on my back a lot, which I previously never knew because I fell asleep on my side. So anyways, so I see Ashley's pillow and then I ask her, like, are you actually really liking that pillow? Did you just say that on Instagram because I sent it to you or do you really like it? She's like, no, I really like it. So I go online. I actually end up ordering a different pillow. I'll link that below. But it has um, it has like a a little buffer, like, like, you know, like the bumper lanes in bowling, it's got like a little bumper on either side of your head. So you can kind of lean over and you won't completely fall onto your side. Or even if you lay lay on your side, it's kind of resting on your temple, not actually on your cheek. So mostly it will be the, the, the ladies listening that will be interested in this. Though, man, I endorse this for you as well. And FYI, Jeremy keeps stealing my pillow. He will sleep on that pillow until I'm done reading. He falls asleep first. And then when I put down my book, he knows that it's time to give me my pillow back. And I keep being like, I will order you a beauty pillow if you want one, babe. Um, but he feel, feels like it's really comfortable. And maybe, I don't know, maybe if you're older, you're thinking like, maybe I'm past this. Like, I've already got these like lines on my face, like these lines on my chest. But it is never too late to feel more beautiful. Make your lines, you know, get get lighter or stop them from getting deeper. And of course, there is nothing against lines or aging for anyone else. This is purely what is making me feel more beautiful. And I'm all about that. And I see this PS section as like the things that I would tell my girlfriends over coffee. And I was telling my friends, Laura and Jenny, about this on Saturday. I was like, because Jenny has Invisalign too. We were talking about it. And I was like, guys, I got to tell you about these new products I got. So this is not being like, we all need to be worried about lines and aging. Um, I'm just telling you something fun that I found that I'm liking. And speaking of feeling more beautiful, I am bringing back my style class as this is the perfect season for us to be focused on ourselves. We are post-summer travels. The kids are back in school. We're pre-holiday bustle. And one of the things that I love most about the course that I teach is that it will help you save money for the holidays, avoid overspending at the holidays, know exactly what items you really want to put on your holiday wish list, or use your gift card on so that you're filling holes in your closet instead of just buying a 12th gray cardigan and then realizing you already had 11 gray cardigans and why are you bored of gray cardigans? Because you needed to get like, you know, a blue shirt to go under it or whatever it is. So if you want to hear about that, pop your email in at hillaryrushford.com slash class. I'll put that link below and keep an eye on your email inbox that will be coming to you next week. And speaking of next week, I will see you back here next Wednesday. Until then, I hope you are able to choose a better feeling. Till next Wednesday. 